Firstly, I'd just like to say it's. I think it's great what you and Erica are doing and what you've set up with Reach. I think it's um, it's obviously blowing up a lot in the last couple of years. Um, mental health and everything around it, and people's view on it, and people the way people are coming forward and opening up and speaking. But it is really important, and it's something that hasn't really been at the forefront over here on the Isle of Man. So um, I think it's great what you're doing, and really happy I can be, be in here today to. Um, Hello humans, welcome to the M Word, the Manx Sports Podcast brought to you by Martin, that's me, and Matt, that's him. Welcome back Matthew. Thank you, thank you for having me. It occurred to me as well, uh, I always call you Matthew at this point. Yeah you do. Uh, I don't know why that, it's like a formal thing isn't it? Yeah, I think it's about the only time apart from a given on a a Sunday name and getting showered at, you get Matthew, yeah, yeah. Or by Kay. A couple of things, Uh, let's thank our sponsor first because they're most important, (laughs) which is Billboards future of advertising digital get your brand out there get it visual down on the prom down in town so get in contact with the guys at billboards.im they're good guys down there so uh, do get in touch with them they're the future of advertising so loads to quickly get through adam's joined us thanks for joining us adam i'll pull you into this conversation but first of all we're going to talk briefly about fuel i think a few episodes ago (laughs) i talked about the price of fuel locally being 0.9 of a penny and it was peeing me off so when I was in the UK last week, I was in a service station, and the fuel was 20p more expensive on the motorway service station. Oh, which, yeah, that's annoying. Is that always the case everywhere? Yeah. All right. I just thought, not that it would be cheaper, but it's like 20p a meter or a gallon or whatever they sell it. Will. Yeah, they're yeah. generally cheaper on the motorway, so if you cheap. get off... Uh, no, yeah, yeah. Generally yeah. more expensive on a motorway. But they were like because a they lot know, more... Because they know you're doing all the travelling, so yeah, you you know, the most used yeah. roads, so you may as well put it... Yeah, they may as well put but it But you just thought five mile of the road, I'll peel off and go and get it 20p cheaper. Do it. Well, I did. <laughs> yeah. I was actually feeling it was like 20 PD. I was like, I thought the Alaman was expensive. This is cheapest, you know, the Alaman's mm. cheapest chips compared to that. Anyway, uh, so thanks for joining us, Adam. We've got loads to talk about. So the uh, this is obviously a podcast. I mean, primarily we've been about sports, but as we chat to more and more people, you chat, and certainly for those that have listened to Christian's podcast uh, and and others. Mental health bleeds into bleeds mm-hmm. into well everyone's lives is the reality of it nowadays. It's obviously a hot hot subject, so we thought it was a good opportunity to chat to yourself. You've obviously got a charity going, which does amazing work as well, so we can chat chat through that side of it as well. So we're going to start with a load of load of stats. Really, I think to to drill home the uh, the position of where where mental health is in, in the in the in the environment that we're in at the moment. It does cross over in sport, which which we'll come into on or onto. So, so, so suppose first of all, we're going to play a little game. On our previous podcast, we had uh, we ripped off a, a game from the BBC, and we haven't had a lawsuit yet. So we're going to do the same now. This isn't to make lightheartedness of the the facts because they're important facts, but it's maybe to to hit home the importance of it. So we're going to, for those slightly older in the audience, play a game uh, which you may recall from the BBC called "Play Your Cards Right" with Bruce Forsyth. Is that an impression of Bruce Forsyth? I don't know. <laughs> so let's start with some music. I was trying to work out what this was before. You remember this, don't you, Matty? <laughs> Maybe your dad used to play it, I don't know. <laughs> so that's a bit... Oh, I went off a bit quick. That was uh, Play Your Cards Right with Bruce Forsyth. Nice see you, see your dice, as he might say. <laughs> so, so some stats. So, we uh, a question... Uh, 15 million people in the UK struggle with mental health, higher or lower? 15 million. Higher. 
yeah higher yeah indeed higher which is just a bonkers number isn't it yeah. 16 million mm-hmm. so you both get a card for that I guess we'll take that we'll take that 60% of people with mental health, mental health ish illnesses aren't getting treatment in the UK. So that's 60% of people aren't getting treated in the UK. Higher or lower than 60%? 60. Ooh. Uh, Close. I'll go, t- go, on, go, go first this go, time. I'll go yeah. higher. It's going to be close, yeah. But I think it'll be higher as well. Yeah, 75% of people. Wow. Which is just Jeez, unbelievable. And the average weight for a young person in the UK to get treatment for mental health is far, mental health issues is five years. Is that five. higher or lower? I'll let you go first, Matt. I, I hope I, I, more that I'd like to hope it's lower. Adam, I'm going to say I'm going to say higher. Yeah, ten years. What? Ten years. That's so the, astounding. Yeah. Stuff. So the final one: ten percent. Ten percent of UK health research is spent on mental health. So that's ten percent of UK health is spent on UK health budget is spent on mental health. Higher or lower? I see it. See it. Lower? Yeah, uh, lower. Yeah, lower. Yeah. About six. Yeah, it's just yeah, just those stats just to show the 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 impact of it and then what's put towards the to try and appreciate our man focus. But ultimately, it's I'm sure all they'll of, hit home though. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, yeah definitely yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. So then looking at so just from research and looking at uh, I suppose sport as well and the benefits that can, that can bring around health. Uh, and mental health again just some just some research really and obviously chip in as you you, you talk about it so so studies have, have shown that uh well first of all that me- mental disorders rank third among the most frequent diseases after cancer and cardiovascular diseases so that's unbelievable when you think about the context of you think about p- problems people have and and issues that that's just third rank behind you know their big two issues cancer and you know we're all very aware of that we've got all everyone knows someone who's impacted by cancer just that's that's life we live in now mm-hmm. cardiovascular similar you know heart disease heart stroke etc and then next in line is mental health and so you th- you look around you you've got friends family affected by cancer pretty much going to be affected by mental health it, it equates to almost half of all illnesses in people under the age of 65 right. mental health that's it's incredible not, yeah, yeah half of all illnesses like you say there's cancer there's, there's diabetes yeah things like that around and you just don't put that in the, i don't think most people put that in the same ranks do they when no yeah it's just it's because it, it i think with with cancer you'll you'll see a person um you know you'll maybe de- deteriorate you'll you'll see them going for for treatment that mm. kind of thing you'll see diabetes you'll see them injecting insulin and, and checking their blood sugars and stuff when it's when it's in your brain and it's it's a mental issue then it's not it's again that it's yeah. again that stigma isn't it yeah. yeah yeah so then they talk about benefits again studies are shown and they've done studies around the benefit of exercise which again i suppose is a sports podcast something we're uh, we've talked about here so they talk about the advantages of doing exercise and again chip in here from from sort of research I've, I've done obviously it releases the feel-good endorphins which which help the brain chem- brain chemistry uh takes your mind off your worries that's yeah. what they say about exercise and i know a lot of people just like i need to get out on my bike for an hour just to get to get away from the stresses of life gain confidence which again is all mm. i guess part of that people with low confidence and low self-esteem uh social interaction that i presume sport brings for a lot of people yeah that's massive i think uh health in the sense of i suppose just yeah just being more healthy and therefore more alert more energetic 
mm-hmm. and perhaps not that downward spiral of not doing anything and getting in a bad place, I guess the exercise is the other way around. When you feel a bit healthy, you feel a bit more confident, you do a bit more work and it's just, it's an upward spiral rather than a downward spiral. Mm. If that makes you sense. Well, you can't have one without the other. You can't have good physical health without good mental health. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So, yeah, they, birth, they work together. together, exactly. Improve sleep. So, obviously, if you've exercised, again, you can be, I suppose, a little bit more tired, which, again, would hopefully help you rest. And rest is so important. Again, I, we touched on earlier off off air we were talking about educating and chatting to younger people and talking about their diets and, and what they do day to day to just to help improve that mental state not necessarily they're in a bad mental state but mm-hmm. just getting to a better place than they potentially are and that's sleep to keep on top of it yeah um, sleep sleep's huge and i think a lot of people think you know i can sleep for eight hours and i'm fine then they wake up tired of them when they went to bed yeah. they're not getting into that deep sleep so they're not shutting their body down at all you know that that could be due to caffeine intake, right. uh, sugar intake, gaming too late at night, watching TV. Right, that's interesting. That I see. So, because <clears throat> again, that's something I I'm always conscious. I need eight hours sleep to, to function. Do you've, have you and have you looked at or, or spoke to people? Or, again, something I want to try and do myself better more before going to sleep is to switch off rather than kind of doing work and then it, you know five ten put my phone down to go to sleep at ten maybe at half nine going to meditate to try and switch the mind off before going to sleep rather than just sleeping out of sheer tiredness yeah you're actually sleeping in a in more of a relaxed state i guess and getting quote unquote better quality sleep yeah i've I've only started doing it now i've learned a lot more about mental health um i think it's dr matthew walker um ted talk to have a listen to it's on youtube it's brilliant okay Uh, he teaches you obviously to, to switch off everything before bed uh, I can't remember what the chemical's called that that makes you tired with darkness but wakes you up yeah, yeah. with light yeah. so obviously when you have that false light of a TV that chemical's the not blue light yeah, yeah. That, that chemical's not yeah. coming into your, bro- your body I find that interesting because for myself I've lit I have well I'm saying I have to I know I don't but I always go to bed with the TV on like I, I can't do it to me in my mind it's like a habit so as soon as I go to bed I'll stick the TV on because even if it's off I feel like I can't sleep because my mind's still going and it's yeah. getting into that calmness I guess because yeah. to me put the TV on and I zone out and then I go to sleep mm-hmm. but it said it'd be interesting to try let's say a week or something like that of literally no TV yeah see see off see how I feel Hun, you should definitely try it yeah. D- just turn the TV off put your phone over you know the other side yeah, of the room well, and it? maybe 15 minutes before bed just even just stretch like you're a cyclist just stretch mm. and it can be light stretches or you can meditate if you meditate yeah. or read a book yeah something that is going to calm you calm everything down it'll yeah, stop yeah. the adrenaline it'll slow you down you watch tv and and that light's always there you're awake and then you try and fall asleep just due to tiredness you're not actually hitting that sleep that you need mm. So just try it and I, I see if see if you you sleep better. I, I, I think you will definitely. I I've seen a te- I don't think it was by that guy, but a TED talk and he talks about that different stages of sleep. And of course, we kind of he, he put it in the context as well of when you. Uh, it's not a perfect example. If you go out on the, on the ale and go home at midnight, and you've had yeah. seven, eight, nine ales. You might still sleep for seven or eight hours. Yeah. When you wake up, the tiredness that you feel and the grogginess. You still got seven or eight hours, but it's because the sleep's been rubbish because you because yeah. your mind's been and your body's been basically messed up because you've been drinking ale. Exactly that you're not getting that deep sleep. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. you are asleep, 
and you're really tired, but you'll wake up and the hangover and you'll fall asleep halfway through the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. It's because you haven't had that deep sleep that, yeah. you, that, that you need. Your body needs, your brain needs to shut down. I Simple need, as that. I need to start learning to do that a little bit more. Stop drinking before bed. Well, I don't do that. But <laughs> <laughs> So another bit, actually one of the other interesting facts, it's, it says for a mental health exercise, exercise to help with men, mental health, is uh, it increases your interest in sex, which is always a, a good thing, I guess, even at my age, potentially. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it should be a good thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so just just some interesting facts on, on just the impact that, you know, one, exercise can have on you, but two, yeah. that just the impact of, you know, when you've got, you know, say issues, mental health issues, that how they, how they just impact your life. Yeah. And it impacts the people around you just as much as it's important for you to be healthy and, and good. It's having that clear mindset for yourself, isn't it? So, you know, the people around you, you're productive and, and nice and more pleasant to the people around you. Again, my wife might be listening to this and disagree, <laughs> but that's See, the general. That's not to say, though, that, you you know, that is the way out. No, no, All the no, time. No. Like it, 100% no. Yeah, no, it, I mean, no. it definitely, it, it can help some people, but it doesn't help all people. No, absolutely. Like, I, I, when I went through my my struggles as you say I, I couldn't do any ex- exercise and I was very much I've grown up doing exercise so it was really strange not to be able to do it and did you find I know we'll jump onto it later but did you find bringing exercise back in helping it as part of that yeah definitely I got myself a bike actually oh right okay. and I've never I've never been a biker right I got myself a bike and I I, I used Pete's dad's turbo oh, right, you know okay. the, bit, the bit that sticks on the back of the bike and I actually used one of uh, it was Pete and and Varley, I think right. that were on this on this DVD. Oh yeah, they're you, you've uh, seen that DVD. Three LC, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I just I just did that daily, and it, it did help. Yeah, help yeah. helped a lot, and that pushed me to then go out for a walk in the open. Which yeah. yeah, so I couldn't do it at first, but once I started to push myself a little bit, yeah, you could see I was more awake throughout the day. I was I was sleeping better, which yeah, yeah. which yeah. very much does impact on Absolutely. your mental health, definitely. So yeah, so I suppose one of our focuses here is obviously there's a wide range, and we'll get into the of mental health things. And see, or my focus was when looking at this was obviously just coming from that semi-sports angle, which just reminds me when you talk about Pete there, the intro uh, to the podcast, which I didn't ask you about, Matt. You Sorry. obviously recognise Pete's yeah. voice there. So that's from Adam's podcast, which is Reach, which is the charity he runs, and, and an interview with Pete who talks there about his, his career up to this point as well, and, and touches through his sort of. I suppose mental health struggles is probably a fair comment yeah. uh, that he, I suppose, dealt with and can mm. use, continues to deal with. And we'd certainly go. We'll have a link in the footnotes to go and have a listen to that podcast because it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting conversation. Yeah, it's just a, it's a different perspective for people. He, you know, he's an Olympic gold medalist, Olympic athlete. So we, you know, it again we go back to it, it's not just this type of person that gets poor mental health. Yeah. Anybody can get it, yeah. and and I think listening to that will will prove that yeah resonate yeah yeah yeah, absolutely okay so so let's reel back to the back to the start and get learn a bit about yourself yeah so question are you you come over manx 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 the hills (laughs) um i am manx manx i think okay well i don't know actually my so my mum my mum's side is scottish australian okay right so they all live in australia Uh, with cats yeah her, her, her dad was born in in scotland okay she was born in Scotland, but they moved straight to Australia when she was a baby. Okay. So she grew up in Australia and then came over here when she was late teens. Right. Um, and my dad, as far as I'm aware, is 
fully Manx. Manx. Okay. Manx. 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 Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, I'm, so I'm, who the Manx, hell dragged Manx. your mother back here from Australia? Because they obviously did a good talking to. Yeah, it was her mum. She got she got her on a boat and said we're going to the Alman for a holiday. But oh right. She never went back. Yeah, she didn't realise that that meant not going back and. It's a shame. I, I, yeah. I, would it be a nice place to grow yeah, up? Yeah, that's the one place. Well, many places. So as much as I love the Alamein, I'd like to be elsewhere. And Australia is one of them, isn't it? Such a happy place as well. Yeah, I know. Everyone Just says hello to life. each other, and yeah. everyone's happy. It's not down the Alamein. Well, some places. <laughs> so when did you grow up on the island? Um, I was in Onken, um, Summerhill Road. Okay. Just yeah. opposite the the horse field there. Loved it. Loved that place. Um, that was my family home until about. I think I was around. 11 right um that's when my mum and dad separated and we went to we moved in with my mum right um interesting story about some hill road though um have you ever seen the george best film the life no, story i haven't actually now well it's in our house oh really some hill road yeah oh, right, they okay. knocked on the door and said the producer said can we come and have a look in your house and of course yeah you can and we had the oldest fireplace on the street okay and they said we need this house and we right. They came in two days, moved us out. Really? Yeah, and they ripped everything out, the wallpaper, right? everything, to make it look like his house in Ireland. Oh, right, okay. So, yeah. That's Why claim, were they here? Fame. Were they filming the whole thing here or just... I have no idea, actually. I literally have no idea. Right. I don't know why they didn't just go back to his house. I have no idea. Yeah, 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 but, yeah, that yeah. was that's our claim to fame. Mum oh, and Dad right. met George Best. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, so he was actually over here and he, he was in the house. Oh, right, okay. I didn't get to meet him. I presume, was it? I d- I've not seen the movie. Is he in the movie or I presume someone's playing? Yeah, he's in the movie. movie. Yeah, oh, oh, he's right, in the okay. movie as well. Yeah, ah, right. Yeah. Okay, playing himself is he? Yeah, yeah. Shit, we're totally off topic here, but right. Okay. Yeah, I've, I don't know actually. I'm, I've seen it, but I know, he was definitely right. in the house. Yeah. But yeah, just a little claim to fame. Yeah. Right. Mad in it. What school do you go to in? In Onken. I was in Onken. Yeah, right. I was in Onken. An Onken butty, as they call oh, them. Right, yeah, yeah. Not yeah, like pure Ashley Hill. No, the upper class area up there. Now we boo that place. Upper class area. <laughs> I, t- I think if we go on our sports day results, we were we were top form. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, left school, I guess, went straight into working or uni. Yeah, yeah. No, I left. So my dad used to work at B and B Furniture. Okay. Um, and I'd grown up around the lads at B and B. You know, there was forty lads working there at the time, no women. So it was a, f- it was very much, you know, a lot of banter going on and. I was called Pitbull when I was growing up. Mm. Quite a big little fella. He used to run around. He wasn't scared of anyone. Yeah. And uh, yeah, grew up sort of around B&B, around the lads, right. the, the Brownlow family that, that own B&B. Right. And uh, yeah, I left at 16. I left school and went straight into B&B. Were you doing sport at that stage? Yeah. Oh, massive, yeah. Sport's been a, a huge part of my life. Uh, I was football, football mad. Okay. Yeah. What'd you play? Oh, that's a tough question. So I started off playing centre forward for St George's when I was younger. Um, and then I moved to St Mary's with my, my schoolmates around 15. Um, and we went on to win quite a lot of stuff together. I then got pushed to right back, right. <laughs> as all good players do. <laughs> um, yeah, it's quote in your older years of like <laughs> early 20s. Yeah, pretty well, yeah. Pretty First much. team, was it? Uh, so I, I, at about 16... Um, Peter Robert Stumpy, you might know of him, boxing. He does Manx ABC, the, okay. the boxing coach. He was in charge at the time, and he looked at me and said, "Right, I need you this Saturday, first team, right back." Obviously, I was like, "Well, I'm not, I'm not ready for this." And I was really struggled with confidence. Like, I never thought I thought I was a bit of a fraud, to be honest. 
you know, I was I was getting in the under 18s Ireland squad at the time, and I just felt like a bit of a fraud all the time. Why? Why? Yeah, no idea. Right. I literally have no idea. It's that lack of confidence in yourself, then I assume. Now I look back, yeah, probably, yeah. probably was. Even now, when I play football, I feel like I'm a fraud. Right. It's, it's really weird. It's like I it's like I play to get through the game. Right. I don't enjoy any of the game. When the ball is coming to me, I panic. All right, interesting. But somebody sees something in me that says you can play first team. You can you can travel away with the Ireland under 18s and and play. But I've always just sort of got through the game. It's weird. I was gonna say, so why why do you play football then? If as soon as you get on the pitch, you're not enjoying it. Very good question. Um, I don't know. I look. I I I, f- I feel like I know quite a lot about football. And I, I look a lot at tactics, that kind of thing. I like to study tactics and I like to study how to beat a team. Mm-hmm. Even if it is over here, I might sound a bit silly. But I enjoy that side of it and, and I've done a bit of managing. I was going to say, yeah, managerial role for yeah, the future then. I've done it, yeah. I've, I, 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 I did it when I was 20, 23. I took all boys combi. Um, obviously, everyone was a lot older than me and we won the league. I was going to say, how, how did you yeah, find the that then? I loved it. To- I've for some reason I have like a little leader role in, inside mm. me mm. and I like to lead mm. Yeah. but get me on the pitch and I don't feel like I'm leading I can put my arm around the, the younger players but ball comes to me my head just goes and right. it, it's weird because it's not like I make mistakes on the pitch so are you, are you managing now are you playing football I'm back playing after two two and a half years out mm. don't know how long for though to go back to 16 and outside of sport and that let's use the word lack of confidence maybe not the right word was there other aspects of that in just day to day life where you not to say you felt like a fraud but was it just particularly sport I think it was just football yeah I was I was a very cheeky kid growing up Um, had loads of mates were you conscious at that age that you felt like a fraud or was looking back is it something you look at now I yeah I knew that at a young age, right. yeah. So right. First game, Stumpy put me in. Right. I thought straight away, I'm a fraud. There's no way I can play this game. I'm not good enough. And I got through it and we won the game. And, you know, you, you get the arm around the back and says, you know, well done. But I still felt like I wasn't good enough in that game. Did you talk to people about it at the no. time? No, first time I've ever said it right. to anyone. Right. So I don't know if anyone will ever know that about me. And even even now, I think, being at Ramsey, um, I've gone back and, you know, they put me captain of the combi straight away maybe because I'd played at a, a good a good enough level on the Isle of Man and I, you could, they could see the leader but gee I don't I'd say I mean I've not seen you play football but I'd say it's I'd go back to that conversation with Claire although she from netball where she perhaps wouldn't acknowledge she's a leader but you mentioned there that you're aware you are so often that's the captains not saying you're not the best player on the pitch but often isn't the best player it's the fact they can lead and bring a team together which is probably just as I can do that yeah, yeah. I can definitely do that part why you're given the arm yeah arm. I know I can do that and I, I know I can keep keep it um, very structured on the pitch yeah. um, I'm I'm very aware of that as well like that I'm, I'm that's probably my ability on a pitch is to is to do that mm. but and everything else I feel like yeah it's, it's, it's a weird feeling it, it reminds me cause it, it, of the conversation when I saw you on the uh, I keep wanting to call it Manx TV MTTV and mm. Uh, the, the gentleman interviewing you talked about kind of the destiny of I think you'd not long start and reach and the destiny of se- setting up to help others and uh, that le- I suppose that leadership quality that that comes by doing that which again seems to just play into that 
being being a leader on the football pitch. You know, helping youngsters who need a bit of a you know, yeah, a help on the football pitch or a bit of guidance or whatever. It's the, it's the same thing, just a different environment, isn't it? Of guiding and helping. Never the shoulder, that. come and talk to me about it. Uh, being that, yeah, that lead, leader, albeit I wouldn't say not leading, but different contexts of leadership. Isn't yeah, it? Mm. I've, 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 I've never thought about it in that in that sense yeah. before. It seems that way as an observer. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Just like then, reach your you know you're a leader within there, aren't you? Mm. You have to be open enough that people will respect and listen to you. Mm. Which I think, again, we talked about but b- b- before before we came on air was you're young and therefore relatable to. Certainly, when you're speaking to the younger generation, you're relatable. Where I'm not saying a six year old talking to them wouldn't be, but it's so much more because you've you know you just that's just the reality of life, isn't it? People will often relate to people around the same age. Yeah, I've I mean I've always probably had a, a skill of you know making people feel good about themselves yeah, yeah. maybe and, and that goes to well, football that's exactly and, what you do now yeah and, know and, and this yeah yeah I, yeah. yeah I suppose I've not I've, I've not really thought about that at all but I, I know when I was obviously playing football I'd, I'd always look to the the young lad that would you know mess something up and his head would go and I would go you know I would I would be there for him and I, I'd, I'd always try and Bring him, bring him forward, and, and tell him, you know, this isn't the end of the world. You know, most of my observation of that would be because that's what you, you know, you see yourself in them. Do you when, yeah, when you were younger, and therefore, yeah, maybe. You, you were that kind of nervous, or, or you know, going to make a mistake, and you just wanted someone to go, no, it's all right, lad, you're doing fine, you're doing fine. You're just kind of recreating that, but you see that nervous kid and go, well, that that was me, probably subconsciously, but that was me, and therefore, this is what I would have wanted, and yeah. therefore, you just, mm. just kind of inbuilt that. Just yeah, maybe. instinct to do. Yeah. I bet. I'm no psychologist either, though. Just <laughs> you know what? I've ne- I've but my honestly, fees are 500 pound an hour. I've ne- <laughs> yeah, I've never ever thought about that. But yeah, you're probably right. Especially what I do now, it's very much this the same as that. So maybe that's a, a quality that I've always had. So, so ju- I mean, to jump right forward, when you look at the, uh, the when you, when you, I hate the word using the troubles. When you're having your struggles, do you look back at again? I come always keep coming back to in every conversation I have with people as well about uh, Rich Sill and his nature versus nurture and that impact between naught and eighteen. And I so analyse my life between then and now and how it moulded me now. When you were going through those troubles, that's something you looked at. Of, Why am I like this? Why is? Or was it more just about talking, getting out those feelings? I struggled for about six months, not leaving the house, wondering why this was happening. Uh, yeah, I. I I couldn't understand it. Right. I had no idea because I was a very outgoing person at the time. Yeah. But what before this was happening, you know, I was, like I say, I was playing football. I was involved in football. I was playing first team football at that time as, as much as feeling the fraud maybe, but I was very much involved in football and even nights out, that kind of thing, yeah. And I, I really struggled with wondering what was going on and and it, the doctor says, you know, panic panic disorder and anxiety and you know you're going into a depressed state very quickly and so, I, so kind of jump back then when yeah, yeah. when what age did that kind of you maybe you looking back came aware that it's going in that direction what age were you then i, I really don't know i've always bit my nails and my mum has said it from a very young age that i do it when i'm i worry okay i bite my nails i've never taken any notice of that until now now i now i think maybe i've always been a bit of a warrior I've always, I don't know what the right word is. I've, I've always panicked. Maybe, right. and maybe that with football as well. Maybe I'm, I don't even realise, but I was panicking. Uh, over what, like situations where 
You've probably subconscious thing. I I say, is, is it against something, some challenge or something you were trying to overcome, or is it just was there that strange? Like, yeah, just to say, you know, you always panicked, but was it just in something you could attribute to in that sense? I don't know. I honestly don't know the answer to that. I know, I know. Like I say, I always felt like I was a fraud, and that's all. That's the only thing I can say that makes any sense of it. I just didn't feel like I, I was there. I was, I was comfortable in that environment mm. when really it was football was my life at that point and yeah Ch- chatting with christian he yeah i don't think he ever used the word warrior thinking about back to his podcast but knowing that no one knowing the guy he's a warrior maybe he just yeah biting nails isn't his outlet to show that it's something else but oh i definitely yeah. definitely i'm a warrior i still am a warrior it's definitely so so as you could sort of start that let's call it spiral again not maybe not the greatest term yeah you struggling to leave you know you've obviously i assume working at this stage yeah were you not enjoying going to work starting to isolate yourself how did that cycle kind of start to play out it was a very strange um sequence of events i loved b&b i loved it i loved being around all the lads the you know the banter was good um maybe things changed a little bit um a couple of years ago and I think a few sequences of events in my life, maybe my mum not being well, um, relationship that I was in or around, I just think it all sort of hit me at once. And it was it was what two years ago now, and it, yeah, it was it was I, I'm I'm putting it down to a combination of, combination of things, yeah, yeah, yeah. And but I maybe not my, maybe I didn't notice them at the time, and but now I look back and I do my research on why this may have happened. There is probably a lot of things that could have made it happen. Yeah, I think they because life plows through, doesn't it? And often people don't have a mass. Well, people have massive tra- tragic moments, but usually it's a accumulation of things, isn't it? That whether yeah. it's and often almost it almost becomes a vicious circle because then if you're struggling to deal with, say, it's your mother not being well, and I can kind of relate to that, and then something else you know things aren't going well at work these things just kind of accumulate and you don't really notice them over a period of time like i still think i look like a 20 year old but accumulation of 20 years clearly i don't but just that small accumulation that you perhaps don't notice but yeah. you you know maybe you, you start to snap at your partner a bit more and therefore that relationship becomes a bit more toxic and again it becomes that kind of vicious circle doesn't it if, i just think there was a lot there was potentially a lot of negative in my life at that point like a lot when I when I look back at it, things may have changed at work, and I didn't really know where I was at work, um, with different jobs, job titles, that kind of thing. Um, maybe the relation, the relation. I don't. I'm not calling it a relationship because it wasn't. But the you know the the girl that I was maybe seeing that was quite negative. Yeah, well, it's like a relationship. It, whatever that for. Yeah, you know, just well, it was quite negative, and obviously my mum being ill, that's in, has a really negative effect because you know you're coming into a, a household and all you're seeing is negative. Yeah. So maybe an accumulation of so much negative just took its toll and took over me. Mm. And did you stop playing football then? Is that when you withdrew from football? Yeah. Is that conscious? I felt I just can't be able to go. And you kind of come home from work and maybe in a negative space and you're like, I can't can't be asked getting changed to go to play football and therefore not getting the exercise. Is that how it played out? Right. So it started. It started. I woke up one day and I, I felt like I had the flu. Okay. Completely body just felt really sore. I was gymming at every morning as well at six o'clock before work, and obviously working in B and B, you're lifting all day. So I was fit and healthy. I was playing football and, and everything like that, and I just woke up feeling really tired, really drained, and I thought, oh, man, flu. 
as they say. Corona. Yeah, I went to the gym anyway and, and, and tried to get through it and I just couldn't lift anything in the gym. I had nothing in me. I don't know what, if you feel it when you get on the bike when you really, you just haven't got anything in your yeah, legs. Yeah, I had yeah. nothing, yeah. nothing at all. And I, I thought, right, I'm going to go to the shower and I'm going to go to work um, see how I get on. Went to work and I couldn't do anything in work. I was still half asleep. And um, yeah, they said, go and, go and try and sleep it off a little bit upstairs and I just couldn't. And they said, right, well, you know, go and take the day and come back in tomorrow. And that's when my life turned upside down completely turned upside down Go on. from from that point i got home i picked my little boy up grayson from school and i got home i got in the bath and it was when i stepped out of the bath i had this huge panic attack massive panic attack i, I don't know if it was because i was worrying about my health at the time but it was the scariest moment of my life still to this day I, it's very hard to explain i couldn't open my mouth everything went white fingers toes everything i couldn't stand up heart rate was completely through the roof um i tried to lie on the couch and i went into like a fit state couldn't control any part of my body and luckily my mum came downstairs and found me and called an ambulance right yeah and uh from that moment going into hospital and you know obviously they thought it was a heart attack at the time because my heart was out of control um blood pressure was sky high and I got into hospital and they did all the blood tests and did all of the tests they, they could under the sun. And this one doctor after two hours came in and said, nothing to worry about, everything's fine. Your bloods are fine. Your heart's fine. You, you know, you're not dying right now. I said, right, okay, that's good. That's a, that's a bonus. Mm. He said, you've just had a panic attack. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's that was what I said. You know, mm, what was a panic attack? I, I'm not panicking about anything. Mm. How can I have a panic attack if I'm not panicking? And... He gave me this sort of two-second answer as to as to why it could have happened, and then said, "You need to go and see GP on Monday." This was on Friday evening, and um, just to point that yeah, this yeah. stage when you talk about mental health, not even on your radar nope. of what that might be. Nope. No. Okay. Not not at all. Not maybe maybe I was like I say getting dragged down and life was getting negative maybe. But not to the extent of this. This was, this was like it. My whole world came crashing down. Mm. And yeah, he, you know, I carry on the story. He said, yep. "Go home. You know, see your doctor on Monday." And I proceeded to go home. I begged him at first. I was like, "Please don't send me home," because I, you know, I, I seriously thought I nearly died. And I didn't. He didn't give me any tablets or anything to make me, make me better. So he just sort of sent me on my way and. That was the worst thing that could have happened because I got home straight away and had a panic attack again on the same couch. This was in front of Grayson at the time. He, you know, he was like eight, which was horrible. Like it was, must have been horrible for him. Yeah. But yeah, I, I spent the next two days having panic attacks every half an hour until I got to my doctor, my GP on the Monday. And my GP, is I've, I've had since I was a, a little boy, got a really good relationship with him. Um, yeah, I told him what happened and he said, Okay, so it sounds like panic disorder, which I had no idea what panic disorder was, and severe anxiety. Again, didn't know what that was. And he said, um, I said, why did this happen to me then? And he said, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I've, I'm not trained enough within mental health to be able to give you all of these answers, which is not the answer that you want when you go to your GP. Um, 
give me some antidepressants and said they should help the panic attacks and me being a sports person I just didn't want to take them all right okay I didn't want them I'd, but the, the stigma around antidepressants was they were bad for you that you know they'll they'll make you sleepy zone you out that kind of thing so I just didn't take them and and at, and at that stage because I guess people speaking more about mental health health and well-being now one of the I think one of the historic uh, stigmas has been certainly when we're in the male environment it's we're male we're strong we can't yeah. did you feel that yeah I don't yeah I'm a, I'm a man I can deal with this kind of is that yeah something that went through your head 100% I'm straight after that I, I rang work and said look I, I don't know what's wrong with me the doctor doesn't uh, I've got blood tests coming up and she so didn't tell him no no I, I did everything possible not to tell him yeah. um, I said blood tests will hopefully tell me what's wrong just to try and prolong it a little bit and never got any better did you did I tell you you didn't take the tablets no no, no I didn't take them until way down the line right. um, did you notice the attacks continue after yeah, that yeah. On Monday, yeah. couldn't stop them I could not stop them simple as that I was having them in my sleep. I was waking up to to a panic attack in my sleep. I had no idea why this was happening to me. And I, I, I never accepted that it was panic disorder or anxiety, which was probably the, the key to my downfall because I didn't accept that. I always pinpointed it on, they're missing something. There's something inside me that's making this happen yeah. because I'm not panicking about anything. Yeah. I'm panicking about having a panic attack. That's it. Yeah, well, that's yeah, the worst yeah. thing because that, then they come and come and come and you can't stop them. And got to a point where I couldn't walk down the stairs in my house, couldn't even dream of going outside, right. not even in the back garden to do, you know, to get some fresh air. I couldn't do it. How long were you, how long were you housebound at this stage? I suppose you're housebound at this stage. Yeah, um, I spent nearly eight months. And obviously, you talked about your your child. Then mm -hmm. how? I mean that. I mean, I'm not saying it affected relationship, but it must have been massively did. Yeah, again, just a st another stress on you because you're thinking, yeah, I, I want to take him out, I want to do things with him, and then I can't because I'm having panic attack, and then you, you know, and it's again that vicious circle. I couldn't sit with him, right. couldn't even sit next to him, in arms reach of him. Right. Luckily, you know, he, he's got Lauren and Pete in his life as well, which is they were fantastic through the whole lot. You know, I messaged them and I, I sort of maybe told Lauren bits. Just to make her aware of what was going on. So Lauren's your ex for those. Yeah, that don't know. yeah, yeah. Lauren's Grayson's mum, so she was brilliant through it. She picked Grayson up straight away as soon as I said, you know, he needs to. I don't want him to be around because obviously I thought I was going to pass out and stuff with these panic attacks. And what does an eight-year-old do if mm. their dad passes out? And I, I just, I couldn't sit with him. I couldn't be around him. I couldn't coach his football. Couldn't play football. It was, yeah, it was horrendous. It massively affected our relationship then. And, and your, your friends at this stage. Where not where were they in the sense of why weren't they there? But how how did they kind of try and reach out, or what? Or did you just push them away? I made a, up a story that I had glandular fever, um, and that sort of obviously, if if your mate says I've got glandular fever, I'm you know I'm I'm a bit ill. Don't come around today. They're going to take that as oh okay, he's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I that was probably my fault for not opening up at the time, but you can understand why mm -hmm. I didn't. And yeah, I went along with this story of glandular fever. That's what I proceeded to tell work. It was I had I had the Epsom bar um, right, yeah. in my blood. Right. It wasn't true at the time. And your mother's obviously around the house at the moment. Yeah. At this time, is she? Is 
I mean, what, what's what are you telling her? How is she, you know, are you she same knew. story or she know no, a bit she, more she going knew. on? Yeah, she knew. She was there from day one, obviously, when I had my first panic attack. So she was in the hospital there when the doctor said it. So she was the one that knew everything, but it, it she's very, like, hands-on when you're ill. I'll look after you, that kind of thing. And I just didn't want to be around anyone. Mm. I wanted this to happen. It, I, I wanted it to be on my own. I didn't want to feel like I wasn't the man, you know, because I couldn't control this. Yeah. So maybe I pushed her away a little bit and maybe our, our relationship, you know, suffered a little bit from it. The... Uh I suppose what you do now and see one of the things you do and encourage people to do is to talk about it. So when you go back to that situation and you having those panic attacks, obviously the, the person you are now, what you know now, how you've self-developed and learned, you feel if you just spoke about that four weeks in, your trajectory will be somewhere else right now. Yeah, definitely. And that's the mission now really of what you do with yeah, Reach. 100%. It, it took me months to come to terms with this being you know in in my head kind of thing like the the pains that I was getting were like phantom pains I was telling myself I had cancer and things like that and I was I was they were missing something they had to they had to have been and if I would have maybe accepted it there and then and spoke to my friends about it and been very open then yeah I, I would have had a massively different outlook on everything but it's amazing because all that's going on I'm not it's all going on in the mind isn't it yeah it's just yeah and it can it's such a powerful thing like you feel stress the most in your stomach and in in your your mind yeah so you know i was like getting these pains in my stomach thinking oh my bowels i've got bowel cancer it has to be that but realistically it's a stress in your yeah. body that's that's giving you these pains it's yeah. it's not the fact that you've got cancer because my doctor fortunately gave me every blood test under the sun even down to Lyme's disease that right. you that you get in like mosquitoes and stuff, just to prove to me that, look, you are one of the healthiest patients that we have. That's what he said he to keep me. Saying, not yeah. keep saying, but keep saying, take these tablets. Were you telling them you yeah. didn't take them? Yeah, I said I said I didn't want them. I, I didn't want to go down that route. And he said, well, you know, it's hard because he he wasn't he wasn't trained enough within mental health to give me any other really any other direction. So that's what he knew what to do and. I don't blame him for that at all. No, no, no. Absolutely not. The thing with GPs in general is you go there, I go there with a bad knee, you go with, you know, a mind, a yeah. bad mind, I suppose, for one of them. That's a great, not a great term. You go there with a sore toe or, you know, and they have to, they just kind of know, well, sorry, they don't say, because I've no idea. GP knows a thousand things more than me, but they just know a bit about everything, don't they? So they, yeah. I suppose a bit like reach, they signpost you in the direction of, well, it sounds like this, go and get this tested and push you in that yeah. direction. Did, after all the tests, did he ever point you in a direction of trying to see someone to talk to in that sense? Yeah, and yeah. Did you, or at that stage, were you still quite adamant that it wasn't an issue with the mind? Did there. I like adamant. that. Meant. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> that it wasn't to do with the mind. It was still something, because you wouldn't want to accept the fact that it was a, a mental health issue. Yeah, yeah. 100%. I was, I was adamant it wasn't. So you know when he was saying I can I can maybe get you in to the NHS to see someone, mm. I was like, oh, you know, I, I didn't really want to go down that route, and I actually went back to him, and it was a few months later. I I just had enough, mm. like I'd had enough, and it you know it got to the point where it got really really low, and I, you know I I'll openly admit I you know I had that thought, 
I looked out the window and I thought, if, now I understand why people do it. I never understood it, but right. no, I did. And it scared the life out of me because I thought of Grayson straight away. And luckily I did think of him because I can I can imagine if I didn't, then things could have been a lot different. But I, it scared me. So I went back to him and said, look, I need to see someone quickly because this is getting out of control. He said, okay, I'll put you on a list. He said, unfortunately, there's a waiting list. I said, okay, well, what do I do in between? He said, you're looking at 18 months. Wow. I was like, well, what do I do in 18 months? Like, do I, does, does this just keep happening to me? And it, yeah, he, he couldn't do any more. He couldn't fast track me because yeah. you just can't do that. Wow. Yeah, and that's when I decided to take it into my own hands and go and listen to every Joe Rogan podcast I could find on mental health. And So this was... Go, go and teach myself basically yeah 100% right. I, from that day when I looked out the window and thought now I understand why people do it and maybe I you know I was pulling my hair out at home I was sitting I was sitting in the chair spending 8 hours not moving I mean not even to go to the toilet to shower to eat to drink I was in the same position for 8 hours like I was pulling my hair out it was yeah. I can't even explain it and I, I just remember the thought of this is too much like maybe this is the easiest option and maybe, maybe this will take it away mm. and I never understood it up until that point and it, that, like I say it scared me and and that's when I put my foot down and said I'm, I'm going to watch every Joe Rogan podcast I'm going to listen to every every podcast I can find on mental health I'm going to read every book got stacks of books at home that I ordered you know to read and mm. I learned different techniques to to change my life so, so, to, so to dig into that just in one moment yeah. in a moment just to go back then when you look at do you think, I was thinking about this this morning, I tried to do a little bit of research, but couldn't find too much. But when we look at, uh, I, I feel, when I, you know, in my, my own perspective, I have a purpose in a day. I, it feels uh, that you cannot be more productive, but it's kind of, what's the purpose of getting out of bed? We'll all go, we've got to go to work. But it's then making sure that purpose is not enjoyable because none of us want to go to work. But it's a purpose. So then when you just talked about, suddenly I had a purpose. My purpose was to get up out of bed, watch some podcasts, and teach myself do you think that and I use the word purpose having that purpose helped in that then that getting out of that spiral starting that or is that something you do in men, when you talk about men, and within reach you talk about having a purpose that's something that's formulates part of what you talk to people about yeah just out of interest because yeah, I was yeah. just thinking about it this morning <clears throat> more more, we more go down the routine like okay. a routine in life so maybe maybe not so much a purpose because you know people are struggling if, if you set that purpose too far then mm you know that fall can be very very hard say so, so how did you find getting that routine then from where you were at that point to being i've got to do something yeah if you were just sat no motivation no nothing how did you start building this into your routine into your life and getting yourself out of that hmm. process and stopping the attacks kind of how did that transition develop or or should we say even start moving I, f I think it was that point that scared me at the window and and then it was it was hard I, I accepted it from that point I think I think I went when I went to the doctor to go and get help that's when I accepted that, that it, mental health. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was that was the point I accepted it and when I did I was like okay maybe this is in my head so maybe I can find a way to change this and that was like a little bit of the fire inside of me and said well you can change this this is within inside me it's not it's not an illness it's killing me in, in a sense of this is cancer I need all of these drugs 
there's there's things that I can do to maybe change my lifestyle and that gave me a little bit of fire and that's when I I reached out to Luke Luke Adabai who started reach with me mm. I reached out to him because I know he he had struggled with his and his mental health in the past and he taught I mean I met Luke funny <laughs> enough uh, a few weeks ago he reached, reached out to me no pun intended uh, how did you know he'd been through those struggles that he'd been open and talking about it uh, we know we know similar people okay yeah I, I hang around with his brother as right. well and I, I'd seen the things that he'd been doing in, in work within Lloyd's right uh, I'd seen things um, on his social media that kind of thing so I did I just reached out and said look this is what I'm this is what I'm going through like can you help me out and fortunately he, he listened to me and he told me his story and probably wait, related to it yeah massively related to it exactly that some of the things he was telling me I was like no I thought I had cancer as well I thought yeah, I was yeah. I thought there was something going on and it was it was that that moment it was just like wow like it's, it shows talking about it how massive yeah it's just that hand hold or whatever that yeah related of I'm not the only one going through this oh I can't you know and that exactly how it, talking it, is so important as part of that process it was just that weight off your shoulders and you felt I felt that release instantly, right. and that's when it was like, right, bang, here we go. This is I'm going to get out of this now, because I, I I felt that mm. that ignited something in me. So, so you do again, like you say, a lot of books, a lot of self teaching. Did you then feel was it your sort of thought process? You know, I need to get back to work, or was it? I say back to work, but you know, I'm back to nine to five job, or I, I've got some other kind of purpose here, which might be to. You know where where did reach come out in in the mind of that? Was that something you and Luke chatted about, or yeah, I didn't want to rush going back to work because I didn't I didn't want the panic attacks to reignite. No, well you spent yeah, yeah it took me long enough to yeah, get over them. Yeah, right. so I, I you know like I say I got the I got the bike, um so I started doing little bits because bearing in mind, um I'd been to the gym and I tried to push my body the day of the first panic attack, so I really didn't want to push my body. I was really scared to push my body, still. I can't run on roads now because I, I'm I'm still a bit nervous of pushing my body to that limit. Um, but yeah, I've lost my train of thought. Yeah, um, so you just start to do a little bit of exercise. Yeah, exactly. To introduce. Yeah, so what yeah. I, I started to I started to do the exercise, and then I went outside. I went to walk to my car and back, and then the next day I'd walk down the hill and back, and then I'd go and watch the football in my car. Okay, yeah. So then, you're not around people, but out. Exactly. Yeah. Then the next week, I would stand next to my car. So everything was just really slow. And then I'd have Grayson stay over the night, you know, just to try and get my life sort of back in some sort of order. We chatting to your friends about it at this stage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I opened up to, I've got two of my two of my best mates, Josh Thomas and Danny Roberts. I, I bared all to them and just said, look, I haven't got glandular fever. This is what's been going on. And yeah, they've, they had no idea no. and you know they maybe kicked themselves because they could have yeah it's not their fault like they could have done I'm sure yeah, they it's not it's not their fault at all yeah. it, at all it was I pushed them away if anything and ever since that day they've they've been unbelievable with it and yeah. yeah it was just it was just setting that little routine up in my life so I was doing them little bits and spending more time with Grayson and I noticed that there wasn't a panic attack coming when I was walking to my car and there wasn't a panic attack when I was watching the football so maybe now I can you know walk a little bit further yeah and i couldn't leave the house without a bottle of water so right. it, any every time i went for a walk it, that was my safety net right bottle of water what don't know no Why? no idea it was just it was a comfort right it was a comfort every right. time i had a panic attack i had a bottle of water there just it was like a safety net okay so i'd do everything 
now I know I've got a bottle of water in front of me now you can't you can't, obviously can't see that but that I don't need that now right I have that just you know just in case I need a drink but I don't need that now right, right. Which, which is great I, I sort of push myself away from that and yeah things just started to develop properly again and yeah. that, was ma- that was massive but I had to break down some big walls to to get yeah. out of there again yeah and I suppose uh, again it's much like Christian talking about when he went to rehab and kind of peel, peeling back an onion and, and kind of getting back to the back to the basics to then re, restart building which your your building is yeah. walking to your car and back walking you know going towards football in your car and just that rebuild process I think so you just have to reset you have to reset it's like turning your computer on and off and like wiping it yeah. let's start again and when, when I say about routine it was I was doing a 15 minute log so then the night before I'd I'd, I'd set myself 15 minutes uh, so 8 o'clock I would get up 8.15 I would drink naked glass of water to wake me up stay away from coffee um, 8.30 I'd watch Sky Sports News till 9.30 right. um, 9.30 to 9.45 I'd make my bed right. 9.45 till 10 I'd get a shower 10 till 11 I would go out for a walk 11 till 12 I would write everything that's happened in my mind write everything down so I was setting a complete routine of my whole life and is that is that is that a process to know I suppose what's coming up during the day so therefore your mind doesn't wander and think exactly I suppose to one panic and go what am I doing yeah. at 12 30 you've got a, a you know a routine set stops you overthinking right okay because you know if you have more than five minutes on to yourself yeah. even if it's watching TV you're probably thinking about something else mm-hmm. and you're letting your mind take over and it's, it's going all different ways yeah. whereas I was setting myself routines so that my mind wouldn't do that so when you were doing those activities that was solely what you were yeah. thinking about your mind when you were making the bed or whatever wasn't thinking what we're doing next or what's the weather like or for, you know anything like that it was you're yeah. just in the moment and concentrating and calm on what what you, what task you're currently doing it, yeah and tasks that's a great word because you're you're achieving something when you've completed them tasks whether that be I've just got up out of bed, I've nailed the first task of the day. Hmm. It's that rebuilding from ba- basics, isn't it? Yeah, from, f- exactly from yeah. basics. Yeah. Like it's a really strange thing to do. Like it feels like a really strange thing to do. But yeah, I've, including changing your diet and everything like that, I was. It was a very. It was a brand new start. Yeah. And ha- through that, then that build from you know, let's say the end of the uh, the eight months, you start to build those habits and those routines and the tasks. Mm-hmm. When uh, when did reach kind of on a time scale? Okay, so it was probably about eight months. Um, I ju- I just decided at the age of you know twenty six, being involved in football. You know, my family, my dad's a well known football player over here. I'm quite a well known name in Douglas. I know that sounds really stupid thing to say, but we're living on a small island. Mm-hmm. People know who you are, mm-hmm. and my friends group was really large at the time, and I thought you know what, if I can literally bear all on Facebook and tell everybody, bearing in mind, I'd only told Josh and Daniel. So I thought if I can tell everybody, somebody can relate to my story like I related to Luke's and hopefully it can help and it might get out there. And And I, I just posted at the end of it, if anyone wants to come and talk to me about your issues, I've, there's a lot of tips here that I can I can give you that we've I've just learned. Um, and yeah, it, it went viral as they say. Right. In the first 24 hours, it had like 5,000 likes and shares around the world. Like, it went serious. I was getting phone calls from Mauritius. 78-year-old woman from Mauritius called me. Mm -hmm. Tell me about her. I don't know the lady. Tell me about her mental health. And 
right. someone in Ireland, someone in America. Right. I was like, wow, this is this is really taken off. Yeah. And how did you find that that response of picking up the phone and there's someone from around the world wants to talk to you? You know, did did you were you comfortable? I'd say, I guess, were you comfortable in, in listening to people like that? Yeah, bearing all to, to you. You know, some people might think that was a bit daunting to have that responsibility or be able to be that ear to someone. But I guess going back to your football, going back to your characteristics there, being a leader and someone to talk to and encourage, I'm guessing that just felt quite natural to, to be able to do that then. Exactly. Felt natural. Like, that's a, that's a great word. Like, it did feel really natural. Yeah, it was. It was scary. Like, to see it go the way it went. I had 250 private messages in the first, like, 48 hours. Wow. And I was like, oh my God, like, do you know what it reminds me of the, the film, um, Denzel Washington, is it? Where he's, he's like God. Is it like Bruce Almighty or something? Oh, and no, he, he gives him the power. Jim Carrey. Yeah, the, he, gives, he gives Jim Carrey, oh, like he's yeah. God. And he, his email, his inbox email yeah. just keeps going and going and going. No, uh, yeah. That's what it felt yeah. like. I was like, oh my God, how am I going to reply to all these people? And the, like, I felt pressure. I did feel pressure. And I, I didn't know what I just started as such. But it was from that moment that, you know, I, I, reached out to Luke and said, look look at the amount of people that we've actually reached so far, no pun intended, reached. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew a few people in government and I said, can we have a chat? And we got around the table and Reach was created. I said, if we can help people on this basis, let's do it. Right. So Reach was created and- so yeah. How did it work with the government? Um, well, we have people that work within the government that work with us. Um, we don't get any funding off them. Um, we don't work side by side as oh, such. Yeah, yeah. Um, they they're good though. They're yeah, like yeah. They'll, they'll help us where they can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But obviously funding's tight with it in every sector. So well, we talked about our stats at the beginning. Don't exactly. We? Yeah. Spent on not that they ultimately it's, they're trying to spend money everywhere, aren't they? It's just yeah. don't mention the horse trams. Right. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. So it, you know, I had the right people behind me at the time and. And the BBC contacted and oh, right, okay. and they wanted to do a piece on it. Right. So they did a piece on it. Paul Malton, obviously, yeah. MTTV. And it's been a it's not been a slow process because I wanted it I wanted I wanted it to happen right now. That's just my personality. I wanted it there and then. But realistically now when I'm sat here, I'm so glad that we didn't try and force it because it's organically grown now. It's people know what the word reach is. People know what we do and you know, you, it's so humbling to walk around a college and you know hearing students telling teachers what reach is yeah i was like wow yeah, that's incredible yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's had such a huge impact and we help people daily now and we go into schools and businesses and yeah it's, it's the best job in the world how do you uh find talking in front of people and things like that i don't have any nerves anymore no. like i've i've because when you talk about techniques. panic attacks earlier, I mean that. I have techniques now. Like right. I've learned techniques. I've learned breathing techniques. I've learned techniques on how to change my mindset. Right. So when it comes to standing in front of 250 people, like I just do the breathing technique before I step up. Even if I'm not nervous, I'll just do it because I know it'll stop any nerves coming. Right. And I, even sometimes, like <laughs> this is going to sound weird, earlier on when I was getting, you know, coming out of everything. Yeah. I'd walk into places, into shops and stuff, not to buy anything, but I'd walk in and I'd say to myself in my head, you know, you can talk to yourself in your head. I'd say to myself, go on then, give me one now. Give me a panic attack right now in this situation. Okay. 
and yeah. I, they just never came and I think once you get over the fear of a panic attack and you know that you're in control and the panic attack isn't they don't want to get you anymore so th- yeah so that really kind of reminds me of when we chat I always go back to people because everything seems to cross relate but Mike Cooley talks about uh, his, his mindfulness but he talks about the you know your He's mind great isn't guy, you by the way. thank you the, Mike yeah great guy yeah yeah amazing and that, that, that your mind's not you and you need to learn to control your mind it's something else from you separate from you and you need to realize that and then get control of it and that that how you describe that is almost like bullying up to it isn't it saying come on in it's exactly what it felt like yeah come on have a go yeah because i'm in control of you now and you can't that's what it felt like like f- while i was going through it it felt like bang i'll get you and i want to get you yeah yeah and it was like as soon as i'd step outside the door it'd jump on me and i couldn't get away out of it but now, obviously, I walk into schools and I walk in front of people and I, I do often say to myself now, go on, just do it. Yeah. Let's see what happens if you do it. And I also say to myself, what's the worst thing that can happen with this panic attack? And back then I thought, I'll die. Yeah. That's what I thought. And then I slowly started to think, actually, I've got, I've got 100% record against panic attacks here. Yeah. I'm still here. I'm not, I haven't died. Nothing, you know physically has come of this like i'm still here and i'm still well so what is going to happen if i have one in front of all of these people i'll tell you what's going to happen i'll probably either sit down you'll notice it in me but the person next to you will probably come for you or somebody around you will come for you and whether you pass out or not that used to scare me a lot passing out i'm probably going to end up in hospital being looked after so the worst thing that can happen with this panic attack is I'm going to get looked after. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as soon yeah. you, as soon as you start to understand that, it doesn't control you anymore. And I, yeah. I, I completely have control of a panic attack. Luckily, yeah. really, what you're saying, like being saying there, is very interesting. Because I was reading a book, and I don't know whether it's one you have. What's called the dare response. Nope. So it's uh, diffuse, allow, run towards, and engage. And very much is that conversation where it says diffusing it. So rather than what if this happens, what if this happens, it's well, so what? Yeah. You've got someone here, you can do that. You allow those feelings to come into you rather than worrying about them. You don't, you allow them to come in and accept them. Yeah. And then run towards very similar to what you were saying when you go into the store. Well, come on then. Yeah. Come on, dare that. Invite that, it. Dare that worry, that stress, that whatever it is to come towards you and tr- just say, look, I'm not afraid because you worrying about being worried or worrying about that stress just keeps building and building it up. The vicious circle. And yeah. that, that's yeah. it. It's, it's not putting that stigmatism on whatever that may be and saying, come on then, let, let's, let's see what you will actually do to me. And as you said, nailed it. You've got 100% record against it. You know, it's yeah. not something to live in fear over exactly and somebody somebody once said to me um people pay money for that feeling that you get when you have a panic attack so what do you mean they're like people people go on roller coasters every day to have that feeling that you feel for free mm-hmm. and it it stuck with me that because i i, I giggled at it i was like you know it's true that like people enjoy this feeling yeah. and then i realized it was very much similar to that feeling right and I was like, "Wow, yeah, they they just get off and get get off and go about their normal life, and maybe I can do that." And like you say, I, maybe it is that their response. Yeah, mm. I do go at it, and I still do now. Even even in situations like 
you know, you think I should be nervous in this situation. I say to myself, what is the worst thing that's going to happen? Yeah. If I have one in front of all these students, they're going to laugh at me probably because they're not going to know what's going on. But I'm going to get looked after at the end of the day yeah. and they're going to forget about it the next day. Yeah. So nothing nothing is, is, is affecting me. And I think the more people understand that and the more we try and, you know, help people in this situation by, by telling them that and by showing them, what is your record then with panic attacks? Because yeah. you still sat right in front of me, so it looks like 100% to me. Yeah, yeah. Making them aware of that, I think it just diffuses everything mm. that's going on and stops the quelling and overthinking. And, and the, you mentioned about the breathing technique there. What's that that you implement? My breathing technique is different to other ones that you'll see. Um, I breathe in to the count of four in my head. So a slow breath, one, two, three, four obviously concentrating on the counting in my head but i'll breathe out to the count of six so you're breathing out more air than you're taking in yeah. and it just sends a circulation around mm -hmm. and it calms everything right. and you'll feel it you can you can both do it i'm when, doing when, it i'm doing it you'll <laughs> feel yourself just relax <laughs> it will calm you yeah. it's like it sent i think it actually does send a chemical around that yeah. calms and it's such a nice feeling because it's never ever failed me i do i do try i talking earlier we were talking earlier about uh going to bed and turning everything off sometimes in my mind's racing when i when i got when everything's off mm -hmm. i'll do that i'll try try and do i suppose it's it's not meditating but that's kind of trying to start to relax and the counting thing is i mean they talk you go back to being a kid and the parents would be saying count sheep wouldn't they i mean yeah. it's the same same thing isn't it yeah but just thinking about your breathing around that aspect of it as well do you know all of these all of these techniques they're just to change your mindset yeah that is, that is it at the mm -hmm. end of the day that's all they do is change your mindset yeah so when you meditate you're doing it because it takes away what's going on in your head right now. Mm. So you're just changing what is in there already. Yeah. Meditation is brilliant, by the way. I'll send you a link to one that Mike sent me as well. It's right. just try. It's ten minutes. All, that's all yeah. it is. It's a body scan. You can oh, do right. it. Oh right, yeah, I've done that on his course. Oh, yeah, yeah, unreal. Yeah, yeah. He's the first person that actually got me to meditate properly, and I came out of it, and I was just like, wow, I'm not thinking of anything. So I might have said this story before on the pod. I did a six week course of his, and mm. there was only a few of us on it, and. They all seem to, as the weeks went on, kind of like, yeah, if, you know, he's teaching you six different techniques and they all sound kind of, yeah, felt relaxed. And all the time, every technique I kind of did, my race, my head was always racing with, I've got this to do, I've got that to do. And it was the very last day, or the very last part of the session of the last one. And I remember having my eyes closed and it was, uh, I remember looking around my head for a thought and there just wasn't one there. And it was like, oh, this is kind of, that's for me, for my, I'm sure it's different for everyone else, for my moment was, wow, my mind's blank, mm. which probably most people say it is all the time. <laughs> it felt blank, and I literally, my eyeballs were going around my head, looking around for these thoughts, and then it might goes, right, open your eyes, and everyone, and I was like, no, 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 Did I hear just that? found <laughs> Did it. Did you hear that ching? Yeah, yeah, it's ching, ching of his yeah. thing, and I was like, no, no. I just found <laughs> it. Uh, and I, I need to, I need to, that's one of my jobs, is to find 10 minutes in a day. To, You've and got you can, 10 minutes. You just say, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know, I'm, I'm a massive advocate of you've always got time to do things. Yeah. Uh, if, if it's that important on your list, you will find time. You'll get up 10 minutes earlier and get it done. I find a lot of people, you know, when you say meditation, they've tried it online. It's not worked. I would say go and sit with Mike Cooley yeah. face to face yeah. and understand that man as a person because he can do things that a lot of people can't do. Honestly, he, he's been, a, he's been a massive part of, of me, you know, f being able to stop that overthinking. I mean, he went through a, his, he didn't want to go to work. He went, yeah. kind of looked, he talked about that cycle of being in a bad place at that yeah. time. And uh, which, 
It's funny. Well, it's not funny, but in this, I know his dad's a butter, I think. Yeah, he, yeah, he was, yeah. But he's grown up in that environment where yeah. his dad was that, and I don't know whether he was never that engaged with at a younger age, but it's still, he'd have thought growing in that environment, he'd naturally just pick up and be a, you know, have that mindset, I guess. And yeah. Maybe not to the full extent that, you know, he struggled in a, when he was, you know, in his early 20s, I believe, around that time. That, and it was only when he started investing in back in the mind. You can tell he's his, his family do though because he's so educated in it. Yeah, yeah. Like everything, everything comes out. He's like, wow, yeah. is this guy is this guy real? <laughs> Literally, that's the, the feeling I got off him. I was like, is this guy real? And I remember he, him saying he meditated all night once, and then that wasn't surprise me just, at all. Just next day, he did a full day and wasn't tired or anything. It's yeah. just, I suppose, the when you're meditating, I guess the mind's relaxing and resting, so your body is. So yeah, you're not actually physically asleep as the man on the street would consider it, as I would yeah. sleep it, but. His mind was, you know, rested enough that he could then continue to function. How how good is that feeling though? Oh, when, you, when you're looking I get around, the boat, you go on an overnight boat, you sleep for five hours, and you feel like a bag oh, of no. nothing better. Getting on the boat and meditate for five hours, get <laughs> off, and then feel normal. Yeah, imagine that. Just like to some people though, you say to them, like when you're talking to them, they're just looking through you and they're thinking about what they're doing later. And you say to someone, "When was the last time you didn't actually think about anything?" Yeah. And you know what? Probably when you're a kid. Really was probably when you were a kid, and to tell someone, yeah, yeah, to tell someone that you can actually get to that point yeah. now, like when you felt it, when you when you looked around, you couldn't find a thought. That feeling is incredible, yeah, yeah. and it's so calming to to realize that you, you know you can be in control of how you think as well. Yeah, I need to get. I need to find time. You do. I'll send you a link. Yeah, I do. I yeah, do. I will. I need to just get up ten minutes early. Or and just you, man, ten minutes. You need to get on it. No, just from from. Quickly, me from doing these podcasts, I've really been getting more into the mindset, reading the books, and things yeah. like that. And definitely, what I keep hearing about is meditation, and it's yeah. something I've never explored before. But I just haven't really heard a bad thing about it yet. Well, you exercise to keep your legs strong yeah. and your your body strong. What you don't actually do anything to keep your your mind strong. Mm. And I think meditation is key because you have to stop that overthinking. Like your your computer there will overheat. And you'll have to shut it down at some point to let it restart. Mm. This is your computer up here, is your computer. And mm. your the rest of your body can't function without that computer. So you have to shut it off sometimes yeah. and you have to restart it again and say, I'll give it that little five minute break now. Well, you know when it goes to sleep, that's what that's what it needs to do sometimes. You need mm. to press that sleep button, which is meditation and, and just get yourself back, ground yourself and stop the overthinking because you know, it's very easy to, you know, live at 100 mile an hour and not realise you're doing it and then suddenly these midlife crisis mm. hit and, yeah. mm. you know, if you would have just looked after your mind and your body at the, at the same time, then maybe it wouldn't have come. Have you explored where Wim Hof? Yeah, love Wim. That? What a yeah. guy. He's a lunatic. Mm. I don't even know what, I, I don't even know what to say about him. The Iceman, what yeah. guy. I've got his, uh, we've talked about him a bit on the podcast, a few uh I've got his book, which I haven't got enough into. Again, I suppose time aspects of things. Uh, but yeah, just one thing that struck me when you were talking. Then he talks about he can control his immune system. He's been, you know, put in a lab and checked, and then he brought his students in, trained his techniques to his students, and they learned to control his, their immune system. So, and I suppose ironically, when you're looking at something, I'm not saying you can control your system around coronavirus, but we're all talking about the this illness that's going around. And, and illnesses in general, and he, he, you know, he's of the belief that you can, with your mind, you can control your body, and so it goes back to the, the hard times you had when 
you've got these stomach pains and it's, it's your mind yeah it, it is that isn't it it's yeah. just yeah just well he, yeah like like you say he he actually got they actually they injected him with they injected him yeah, there with yeah. it with like a disease mm. and his temperature didn't rise yeah he got rid- yeah, yeah nothing nothing in his body like said that he had a disease and they because they said he was a freak of nature so he said yeah oh, Train twelve yeah, students yeah, that's to right. do it. Yeah. Teach twelve straight, straight students to do it, and they they all heart rate. Everything was yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible to watch. Yeah, Wim Hof. He's, he's eccentric, some uh, guy. But yeah, that's. Uh, but it, it's so a guy inspirational. In the isn't there? That's. Uh, yeah, uh, is a good mate with him. I, th- I believe. I've done it with him. Yeah. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I need to get him on the pod. I don't. I don't. Oh, know his you name. do. His yeah, name's yeah. Uh, so he's, he he goes by Ian Kirk. Okay. Um, he, he used to play footy with him at Old Boys. Um, but I, th- I think on Facebook he's called Ian Ianson, right? Um, okay. And he's been to to Wim Hof's camps, yeah, camps, and he, he's been taught how to do it. And yeah, I did a session with him. What an experience! Did you do cold showers or anything like that? Have you got I that didn't far? do that. No, I did. I didn't do that. No, I, I'm not a cold guy. Really, I don't. I like being warm. It's in the mind. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. No, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. But yeah. Danny Roberts, my mate, Danny Roberts, does it. He goes sea swimming all the time. Right. Just sits in the sea for ten minutes, twenty minutes, and. Even in this weather, it's ridiculous. But yeah, Kirky, Kirky, I did it one time with him, and it was very, it's a surreal experience. Like again, I something like an out out body experience kind of thing. You do like rounds of these breathing, so it's very fast and hard breathing. It's like you take big deep breaths and then push it out, and then it's like like really fast sharp breaths, and it makes you really lightheaded. Right. So you do these sections, so it'll be like thirty seconds, and then rest thirty seconds, and on the last round we were doing it with a, a woman who was a sound therapist so she was playing the music in the background okay. which was so satisfying and there was a chime going off and every time the chime went off I felt myself going away from my body alright okay wow. and then the chime would come back and I'd be back in my body and I was like I need to do like this is incredible like I didn't know where I was and I, I told him about my experience when I came back around and he said people do this and, and they completely leave their body right and then come back at the end of it. There's so many different well, stories. When you're leaving, when that, that your mind's leaving, are you looking back at yourself? Yeah, I was literally, I felt like I was looking down at myself, right. breathing. And I was like, wow, like it was a, I can't, it's so surreal. Yeah, right. And you hear, I hear stories like this and I'm like, there's no way that's true, no way. And then it happened to me. And I was like, if I did another round, I reckon I could, I'd have been out that door gone somewhere right. while I was lying down there. So, so, and that part, part of that, I asked that question for that exact reason. So, I read a book years ago called Remote View, and I don't know if you ever come across no. that. It was a, a technique they used in the Cold War where the uh, Americans and Russian believe you could remote view, so you could get to that. So, uh, let's call it subconscious state of relaxation. So, we're sat in the room here that you could get your mind. And they used to, and you read a couple of the books that are around of people that were remote viewers for the army, and they'd send them into like a Russian missile station, you know, 4,000 miles away. And in their mind, they would be there describing the room. Wow! And but it's only an extension of what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, there, yeah. you're talking about walking out out of the out of the room in your mind, but seeing yourself back in the room. This was kind of flipping it around, and it was a technique they used in the Cold War. Both sides, remote viewing wow. to, to spy, basically. Well, not basically. Yeah. So there's a. Uh, I read a book years ago of a guy who'd Morehouse, I think his surname was, and uh, they, yeah, they use that as a technique. Whether you know. 
psychics, I guess, to a point, uh, whether you you know whether you believe in it or not. But it, to me, it just seems an extension of what you talk about there. That that get that mind. I think you can definitely the you can definitely tap in space in some. I don't know. Yeah, it sounds a you know sounds a lot. very eccentric, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's a technique they use in the Cold War. Yeah, I think you can definitely tap into your subconscious mind. You mm-hmm. definitely can, and I think that comes down to more. Um, a lot more training and meditation, that kind of thing. I, I definitely think you can do it because I've I experienced that coming out of my body. I remember looking around at the other people that were on the floor at the time, and I was just like, "Wow, this is incredible!" And then that chime would go off, and I'd be like, "Jump straight back in." Right. And then it stopped, and I was like, "Oh, wow!" You should read that book. Yeah, well, it's yeah. kind of kind of like it is basically you know you, it's the same thing. They're just doing it three thousand miles away. It's just an extension of yeah, uh, maybe extension a, of it. I will. I look into that definitely. So the moment then, so Reach is obviously the, the names around. You've been up, co- up the college recently. To yeah. Talk us about what you've been doing up there. So they, they do a skills test every year um, within construction. So they'll get uh, colleges over from um, Jersey, Guernsey, that kind of that kind of thing. And they'll be given, so the brickies will be given a piece of paper that with the drawings on it. They'll have six hours to create this and then they'll get tested. It's called a, a skills test. So you get tested so the plumbers, the electricians, the the brickies, and the joiners, they all incorporated our logo, Reach. Right. So you can imagine the all the pipe work right, was yeah. spelt Reach, and in the wall it spelt Reach. And the elect- it's around social media at the moment, isn't it? You can find yeah, it you, yeah, media. you'll find it on our social media. It was just incredible to be able to walk around there and to see our name everywhere. And eleven months ago, you know, this was a bit of a pipe dream that probably couldn't help anyone, and to now have children in schools. Um, talking about us and telling each other what what we do and how we can help and yeah, it's incredible. Changing lives, really. Oh, honestly, it's 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 a really humbling feeling. Like I, I said it when I stood up in front of them all, and I said y- y- something I've never experienced before to see something that you've created help people. And I only wanted to help one pe- one person. That would be enough. Yeah. And to now see it helping people daily, and even not just me helping people but the people that we've helped helping people yeah yeah it's that knock on effect yeah it's that just you know what what you what what are you doing in your life that kind of question that the kids are asking each other and making each other aware of things that they might never have been aware of so humbling have you seen the film i was thinking about this not too long ago the film pay it forward have you ever seen that film i feel like i have so the the kid the best reference i can say because i don't know his name the kid that's in sixth sense that young kid oh the scary kid He's in this movie. It was the next movie they made, I think, after he was in that, and it's called Pay It Forward. I've not seen it since, you know, bear in mind, Sixth Sense, 15 years old probably now. But it's about paying it forward, basically. Do you a favour, for the want of a better expression, do you something good, and you'll pass that on. And he, he was this... I don't think it's based on a true story, but it's a very heartfelt movie, but it's about... And you talk about there that satisfaction of helping someone. You get something from that. You've got nothing, like perhaps cash-wise, physically-wise, yeah. but you've just got that emotion of wanting to help it. But then that, then they, if they get that warmth and that, well, he's helped me. I'll help the next person. Yeah. That knock-on, that pay-it-forward perspective yeah. of of life in general, and how you know, you know, if we all lived in this, you know, perfect world, we'd all live that. You know, help the granny cross the road, and then she'll help the next person, and the next person. Yeah. Well, that's what that movie's like. But that's what you're doing there, really, aren't you? You're, you know, you're helping a person and hopefully they can help the next person. And you know, I was chatting to Christian about that, of him being able to talk about his story means someone else might come forward and talk, which means, and that knock-on effect from Luke chatting to you to you then 
exactly you know, just spreading that so it and it, it it's one of them feelings that you can't quite describe you you could pay me all the money in the yeah. world and i don't think i'd ever feel that feeling that i get now mm. so nice to have that you know to go home and don't get me wrong it some days are really long and tough and i do sound therapy now so i'll, I'll work with mandy kane she'll Okay. Squeeze, squeeze me in and she does this sound therapy you sit on a bed and she'll play this music right, she okay. plays it all I've not come across that right you, do you know Mandy though no no yeah you'll know you'll know Mandy right. uh, it used to be Mandy Doyle no no you know Doyle that used to do the cycling yeah right okay his right, ex-wife okay. now right okay she, okay I didn't know right okay right so she yeah she does this uh, sound therapy right and she'll put these bowls on you and it's all about the water inside you so it'll hit the frequency of the water Okay. So relaxing, but right. yeah, I go and offload to to Mandy every couple right. of weeks because yeah, right. okay. you do have these long days. And now I understand that when I first started it, when all these people came at me, I was getting really tired and drained. That was natural. Like I didn't realize at the time, but that's very natural. It's called compassionate fatigue. So now I look after myself. Mainly, I look after myself first, and and then I can help these other people. And yeah, the satisfaction it gives you, it gives you a nice warm feeling inside and. It will help me continue in the future to, you know, keep on top of myself. And and do you primarily go to schools and think uh, and cut to college, or do you businesses or anyone like? It's, it, it's, it's all in all, really. Just, um, I'm in I'm in schools on Wednesdays, so I go up to Ramsey Grammar on a Wednesday, and I, I, you know, I have like a booklet that I can sit down, and the kids just come in whenever they want, come and have a chat, and. It might not be that they're struggling with their mental health. They just want a little bit of advice about something in their life, which is fine. Again, that's fine. Um, giving them tips on, we do PHSE lessons, so or PGE lessons as they call them. You know, right. like your sex, drugs, rock and roll, or all right, okay. your happy Harold lessons that you used to do. Right. So we'll do, me and... Don't <laughs> get to death, yeah. You never do happy Harold? Yeah. No, happy Harold, no. What, the, the puppet? Yeah. The, the giraffe? In the bus. Bit older on Showing your boys, age. You know. Oh, yeah, God. Yeah. I thought he was around. He'd I was da- too busy watching right. play your cards right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so we we do that kind of lesson. So, you know, sex education, all that. They do, right. And then we do the mental health and physical health one. Oh. So Danny Kane from Next Level Fitness will come up with me and we'll do the, we'll show the kids the correlation between keeping yourself physically fit and mentally fit. And you'll find that a lot of the things that you do to keep yourself physically fit also you need to do for your mind. Um, so we, how, how, sorry how do you um, find that initial uptake were people receptive to that um, or did you again the stigmatism all around this yeah. it's, it's be, you know thankfully it's becoming more and more prevalent but any by the work of you guys no, 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 and that's what I mean it's a complete credit yeah, yeah. but that with not much of an outlet on the island and becoming right guys and girls coming in coming in talk don't have to obviously go into depth but just talk to someone yeah. as a stranger yeah just did you get an initial wave of response or did you kind of find that the more you're coming the more that's getting breaking down the barriers yeah that people are getting more aware of this issue mm-hmm. that it's i guess the words are, it's you know there's not I know there's nothing wrong with trying to open up and talk I'm definitely starting to see that now. Yeah. Um, more and more people are coming, which is great. And I think especially with schools, I'm, they're getting to know me at Ramsey Grammar now. Mm-hmm. So the kids, you know, they'll say hello on the on the corridors and stuff. So they understand why I'm there. And 
they're not shy anymore. They're not. Sc- I'm not a teacher. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not this big scary guy. I'm a 28 year old. I'm, I'm like a. I say I play football. Um, I'm still young at heart. 28 is young, but I'm still young at heart. So I can relate to a lot of things that go on in their lives. I have a little boy who's, who's 10, so it's nice because they can, yeah, we have that relationship now. So they can just come in and more and more kids are starting to come in, which is great. Um, outside of school, I'm getting more and more males coming, especially footballers, which is incredible. Like, I mean, I know that I know this goes on in football. It goes on in every walk of life. Oh, yeah. So I'm so glad that they've looked at me and said, right, this guy maybe he can help and the more we do put out there and the more we speak to football clubs and things like that the more they're going to yeah. find it a lot easier to come and talk to us and is that kind of a an aim where you say you do Ramsey Ramsey as a slot yeah Peel Douglas QE2 Castle Rush you know is in I'd expanding to, yeah. to, to, yeah. to, to go around yeah I would love to yeah. that's definitely in our future plans I was speaking to Danny today actually we had a meeting and we're going to try and roll out to all, all schools if we can really? Just that, just that lesson, so that we can make them aware. He's he's a personal trainee, see, mm. so he's skilled in that aspect. And yeah, hopefully, they they'll let us roll it out. I'm fingers crossed they will, because I think Ramsey will back us to to do it. Mm. Um, what are the plans do you have for each? So, as I said, I'm a football player. So, um, we lost a couple of football players last year to to suicide and. It's a tough place to be sometimes. You know, sport is a tough place to be in, especially when it's in a massive group. Um, it can be very daunting to be able to speak out. So, fingers crossed, we're speaking to the FA at the minute and we're going to be able to reach, are going to be able to to fund um, a mental health first aid trained person in every football club on the island. Right. That should be coming very soon. And, yeah, right. and that's that's with help of sponsors and Newfield have been great. Uh, with that and hopefully we can get that out to rugby as well and then obviously we'll look at other sports and cycling swimming athletics that kind of thing but I think it's key to have somebody there because you have to have a first aid physical first aider you have to have a football club so why do you not have a a mental health first aider who understands signs signs. Yeah. yeah because you just don't know sometimes what somebody's going through but this, this course definitely gives you skills to be able to That's notice things that maybe other people don't. And it's interesting then to go back to your situation where you didn't, you know, you were in your own body and you didn't know what was going on mm. and the people around you didn't so to then educate people themselves to see their own signs, let alone a third party to then see those signs is invaluable because that, you know, could have been the difference between, you know, eight months of you being indoors to maybe a couple of weeks of... Yeah someone actually go and look you need to th- this is the problem and, and I suppose making you realise that that's the problem at that stage yeah. or, or letting you talk about it I suppose I guess is the right. I, I hope that that's I hope there's a ripple effect from it yeah. and I hope well, clearly is yeah and I, I hope by doing this within sport as well that there's a ripple effect and you know they tell their families and their families tell their friends and people are becoming more educated now on the streets of mental about mental health like I can walk the street now and it's not just I don't just get that conversation of did you watch the Liverpool game at the weekend it's do you know what I struggled with that or or my little boy struggling with that is there any advice you can give me mm. it's like you're talking to me on the street about mental health which didn't happen or wasn't happening enough 
and that should be a very normal conversation. If I walked with a cast on my leg, yeah, you'd say, about your leg, you'd say you? what happened to your leg? Mm-hmm. Whereas if I've been off work for eight months and they realise that it was in my mind, everyone sort of backs off. Yeah. My God, like we can't talk about this. Yeah, we can actually. Yeah. And we will talk about it. And that conversation would become so much easier. So then the people that are isolating themselves to keep away from the conversation will hopefully come out and talk. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Thanks for coming in. Appreciate your time. Yeah, thank, you thank you very much. One thing I take from it as a kind of try and recap about the stuff we covered is I think what's not what shouldn't be lost in what you're doing with reach is your own your own you talked about your own self development really and your awareness to go, you know, I need I need to I could take some tablets, which is fine and often that's the way to help. And, yeah, absolutely. Know, but also I need to I need self develop, I need to learn and that you said it looks like you do that every day from what you talk about here, whether it's a bit more meditation, it's a bit more and when I speak to sports people and the mind and the motivation and that that journey I'm dead excited for myself now in the sense of every day I speak to people and speak right here now and I learn stuff to help me be a better person and maybe I'm not ask the wife again <laughs> uh, and develop and so I admire for you your again a young age that awareness to go there's a lot to improve here and continue mm. to do that and then on top of that you then spread the word through what you do through reach so yeah I'm certainly I'm sure there's a lot of people out there you'll probably never say thanks to you for an impact they have on you have on their lives so well, yeah, thank you, know. you. That, that means a lot thank you no well it's just again it's an observation I, I've said it to a few people it's not about kissing ass it's about that's the reality of it and yeah. maybe sometimes that gets you have been in a really tough place so it's easy for you to go, you know what, my life's kind of feel kind of normal now. I'll just crack on and get on my job and, you know, but you're actually trying to impact, well, you're not trying, you are impacting other people's lives and I think that's, you know, again, I think people should say thank you once in a while for doing that. Definitely. Today. So, yeah. So thanks thanks yeah. for your time. Thanks yeah, for coming thanks in. Again, yeah. Yeah, thank yeah. you very much and keep up the good work. No, no pleasure. Do you want to check out, Matty, on a yeah. few bits? Just the usual. So wherever you're listening to us today, please like, subscribe and share and also those five-star reviews, pretty please. Um, wherever you like yeah, to go Yeah, we've got 24 on. of those five-star reviews. Yeah. Well, 23, I've seen someone put four on, so uh, they obviously didn't like something about us, but that's fine. Well, not like us. We'll just have to make sure we get them to a five. Yeah, so just go and give us a five-star on YouTube. <laughs> we're not there on iTunes, not that we're ego-driven by any stretch, but it <laughs> helps with the uh, people visibility of the podcast, which is important to us because we just chatted here. I think it's a great message that, that we're trying to get out well Adam's trying to get out more than us uh, and yeah so yeah please go and give us a review mm. it takes 30 seconds and we did just say for two hours or an hour and a half just to, <laughs> just for, for nothing just to just to help us so why not give us 20 seconds back pay it forward yeah. as the guy from Sixth Sense <laughs> would say sorry Matt carry on no no um, so if you haven't already found us on the social media on Facebook we're the M Word Podcast Twitter Manx Sports Pod and on Insta we are the M Word IOM and then just as well, if you have any re- recommendations of someone who you think would want to come in or if you are someone yourself who'd want to sit down with us and have a chat, please do get in touch. Yeah, I know we've got a few chats with different people lined up and it's, I know we re- reached, no pun intended, out to Adam a while ago and then it kind of went quiet because it's just trying to, fit, trying to fit them in. But right. certainly we've been in touch and we're chatting. You know, we haven't forgotten. We're just, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get around, we'll not get around to it as we as we get time, we'll get in. So uh, as normal, thanks for letting us get into it into your ears it's word out from Martin and word out from Matt